Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. How do I keep sin from having a stranglehold on my life? It's by saying no the first time. That's what it means to put on the breastplate of righteousness, to stop the barbarian Satan at the gate before he ever gains entrance and control over your life. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. You ever feel like everything in life is working against you? Oh, you might be right. But the good news is God has given you tools that you need to fight back. Today on Pathway to Victory... Dr. Robert Jeffress outlined six spiritual weapons or strategies that we can use to defeat Satan's plans. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. Throughout the month of August, we've been conducting an in-depth study of spiritual warfare. Our goal is twofold. First, we want to expose Satan and his devious schemes to destroy your life. And second, we want to equip you to have victory by utilizing the amazing weapons God has provided for every believer. Now, I wrote a quick reference guide designed to help you as well. It's called Equipped for Battle. This brochure folds out with six colorful panels and includes pictures and commentary that describe each item in the armor of God. This is something you'll carry in your briefcase or purse as a convenient reminder of the strategies for your spiritual success. And this brochure is my gift to you, simply for going to ptv.org. Now, the brochure doesn't go into tremendous depth, so in addition, you're invited to request my full-length book on this topic of spiritual warfare. It's called The Divine Defense, Six Simple Strategies for Winning Your Biggest Battles. The temptation that regularly assaults you, the depression or illness that pulls you down, the private doubts you harbor about God, these are not just natural parts of life. They're private battles being waged against followers of Christ like you and me. There's still time to request a copy of my book, The Divine Defense. It's yours when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. I'll repeat these details after today's study, but right now, let's get started with the message. I've chosen an unusual title, Stopping the Barbarian at the Gate. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Maybe for you, for me, it would be helpful to give just a little three-minute recap of where we've been in this series So far, we've seen that there is a very real, though invisible, world that exists right alongside this universe. It is a realm in which God and Satan, angels and demons, reside. It's a world that in many ways is more real than the world we see around us. And in the spirit world, we've seen that we have both an advocate and an adversary. Our advocate is Jesus Christ. Right now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. He is daily, hourly, making intercession for you before His heavenly Father. But we also have an adversary in the spiritual world. If you're a Christian, Satan knows he can't have you forever in hell with him. 
but he's not given up on you. If he can't have your spirit forever, he wants to destroy everything important to you. And Paul says in Ephesians 6, that is why it is important. It is essential that if we're going to have victory in Satan's war against us, we put on the spiritual armor that God has provided for us. And uh, we've looked so far at the first two pieces of armor. Now look at the first one. Remember what it is? Paul said, put on the belt of truth. Before a soldier in Paul's day would go into battle, he would take his free-flowing tunic and he would tuck it into a leather belt. That would keep the enemy from grabbing hold of that tunic and gaining an unfair advantage in battle. And the Bible says in the same way, we need to guard against loose thoughts in our minds that might give the enemy an advantage. And what Paul is saying is, when you come across this loose thought, a wrong thought, recognize and replace destructive thoughts with God's thoughts. That's the strategy Paul is talking about. Then secondly, Paul talks about the breastplate of righteousness. What does he mean by righteousness? Obviously, he's not talking about self-righteousness. Our attempt to earn God's favor before we become a Christian, that kind of righteousness is worthless. He's not even talking about imputed righteousness. That's the gift of righteousness that covers us once we become a Christian. When you trust in Christ as your Savior, God wraps you in the perfect righteousness of his son Jesus so that when he sees you, he sees the righteousness of his son. Now, that's an important gift, but that's not what Paul is talking about here. After all, if he were talking about imputed righteousness, why would Paul say Christians put on that righteousness? We're already wearing it. No, the kind of righteousness Paul is talking about here is practiced righteousness. A good synonym would be obedience. He is saying one way to thwart Satan's advance into your life is by making obedience to God a part of your life. That's what he's talking about, putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Do what you know you should do. Well, pastor, how does that help protect ourselves against the attack of Satan? Let me point it out. Four ways that obeying God, doing what you already know you should do, protects you from the enemy's assaults on your life. First of all, obedience protects us from the consequences of sin. If Satan were a salesman, he would be sued by the Federal Trade Commission for false advertising. Because he's always making promises about his product that he cannot in any way fulfill. He says, engage in this sin or engage in this sin and everything you've ever desired will be fulfilled. And he also encourages us to ignore God's warnings. God says, if you do this, if you disobey me, it will result in the death and destruction of everything you care about. Satan says, you don't have to worry about that. In the day that you eat of the tree, you shall not surely die. I want you to turn over to Romans chapter 6 for just a moment. This passage, Paul explains a sobering truth that most Christians are unaware of. You know, we think that we are free agents. We're free to do whatever we want to do. That is not true. In Romans chapter 6, Paul is going to explain that all of us serve someone. All of us are someone's slave. We either serve God or we serve Satan. We are either slaves to righteousness or we are slaves to unrighteousness. No man can serve two masters, but all of us are serving one master. Look at what he says in verse 16 of Romans 6. Do you not know... 
that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey. You're slaves either of sin, resulting in death, or of obedience, resulting in righteousness. Every one of you listening to this message is someone's slave. You are either a slave to God, you're either a slave to Satan, you're either serving righteousness or you're serving unrighteousness. How do you know which one you're serving? (laughs) Whatever controls your life is the master over your life. You are a slave to whatever controls your life. No man can serve two masters. All of us serve one master. And get this, we get to choose our master. We get to choose whether we're going to serve God or whether we're going to serve Satan. Whether we're going to be a slave to righteousness or whether we're going to be a slave to unrighteousness. Now Paul said before you make that decision, consider the wages that each master offers you. What is it that God is offering you, and what is it that Satan is offering you? Paul specifically was writing to a group of Christians, not non-Christians, but Christians who were falling back into sin. And Paul says, before you change masters, before you give up serving God and go back to serving Satan, you need to do some careful examination. Look at verse 21 of Romans 6. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? Before you go back to serving sin, Christians, was it really that beneficial? That's what he's saying. For the outcome of those things is death. But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. And what Paul is saying is obedience to God protects us from the bitter consequences, the bitter wages, if you will, of disobedience. Secondly, obedience protects us from doubt about our salvation. One reason we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness, that is obedience to God, is obedience protects us from doubt about our salvation. One of my seminary professors used to say to those of us who are going into preaching, he said, men, nothing will create more doubt in your life than trafficking in unlived truth. He was saying, you know, when you get up and preach about spiritual truths that are not a part of your life, If you do that over a long period of time, eventually you're either going to doubt your faith or you're going to doubt the faith in general. God doesn't want you to doubt your relationship with him. He doesn't want you to doubt because doubt leads to being double-minded. Listen to what the Bible says about a double-minded person. Psalm 119, verse 113, I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your law. Or James 1.8, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Or James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know what the best antidote to doubt is? It's obedience to God. There is something about obeying God, doing what you already know you should be doing, that gives you assurance that you are truly a child of God. We read about that this morning in 1 John. Listen to 1 John 3, verses 18 and 19. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. 
We will know by this that we are of the truth, that we can give 100 reasons for the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Is that how you know that the faith is real? That's not what it says. We will know by this that we are of the truth, and we will assure our heart before him. The way we know we are truly children of God is not because we've memorized a set of, 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 of doctrinal truths, and I'm all for doctrinal truth, that's important. But the real way to assure our hearts that we are really children of God, John says, is by obedience to God. By this, our obedience to God, not just talking about it, but living it out. That's how you know. That's how you are assured that you are a child of God. Here's something you might want to write down. Only professions of faith that lead to expressions of obedience will result in the guarantee of the possession of eternal life. Only professions of faith that result in expressions of obedience guarantee that we are in possession of eternal life. If you want to know that you're saved, the way you know for sure is by your obedience to God's word. A third benefit of obedience is this. Obedience protects us from the loss of heavenly rewards. One way obedience protects us from Satan is that it protects us from the loss of heavenly rewards. One of the greatest misconceptions Christians have about heaven is that heaven's going to be the same for everyone, that it's the ultimate democracy or socialism. Uh, It's not. Heaven will not be the same for every believer. There are degrees of heaven dependent upon our faithfulness to Christ in this life. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 talks about that ultimate evaluation of every Christian's life that every one of us here today will face. 2 Corinthians 5 10 says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one of us may be rewarded for what we've done in the body, whether it be good or whether it be bad, literally worthless. Now, I know this is very confusing to some Christians. It's Christians who say, well, wait a minute, by grace we're saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Aren't you teaching a works-oriented salvation? Not at all. Let me, let me point out the difference. Our place in heaven is dependent upon the finished work of Christ on the cross. Our position in heaven is dependent upon our faithfulness to Christ in this life. Our entrance to heaven is secured by the blood of Jesus Christ. Our enjoyment of heaven is dependent upon our fruitfulness for Christ in this life. Do you see the difference? Yes, our, our, our place in heaven, our entrance into heaven is totally dependent upon what Christ did for us on the cross. But the position we occupy in heaven, our ability to enjoy heaven is dependent on the works that we do here on earth after we're saved. Perhaps this illustration will help you understand the difference between the two. Many of you may remember when Disneyland first opened up, It wasn't uh, a theme park where one price entitles you to ride everything as many times as you want to, like it is today. 
He said, I remember when my grandparents took us to Disneyland the first time. We were, I was about eight or nine years old. And you would buy a little booklet uh, of tickets that would allow you into the Magic Kingdom. And uh, uh, buying that uh, basic book of tickets allowed you entrance into Walt Disney, uh, Disneyland. And it would also allow you to uh, ride a certain number of rides. There were what they called A tickets. Those were for the rides nobody wanted to ride, like the merry-go-round. You get quite a few of those. And then there were the B tickets. They were a little more exciting. And then the C tickets and the D tickets, but the E tickets, man, that's what everybody wanted to ride. Those super-duper thrilling rides. You only got one or two of those with the basic package. Now, everybody who bought that basic booklet Man, they were excited to be in the happiest place in all the world. But those who were willing to buy more tickets enjoyed a little more happiness than everybody else in the park. I mean, once you ran out of tickets, if you didn't have any more tickets, you could walk around and watch other people having fun, but they were having more fun than you were having. Now, nobody was unhappy to be at Disneyland, but some people enjoyed it more than others. Now, heaven's going to be exactly that way. The Bible says when we get into heaven, we're all going to be thrilled that we're going to be there. But the fact is some people will enjoy heaven more than other people. I've heard Christians say, well, I don't care anything about rewards. If I just make it, I'll be thrilled to death. I won't care anything about rewards. You better think again. Because listen to what the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We talked about this in our Corinthian series. The Bible, in talking about that judgment seat of Christ, says, If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. If in God's evaluation of your life, Your life is judged to be built upon gold and silver and precious stones. That is, those things that count for eternity. You're going to receive a reward. If your life is deemed to be worthless, you've spent your life accumulating things for yourself, building a reputation for yourself, eking out as much pleasure from this life as you can, your work is deemed to be worthless in God's eyes. Yeah, you'll be saved, but you're going to suffer Real, measurable loss. That's what the text says. That person will suffer loss. What Satan wants to do is, if he cannot rob you of your place in heaven, which he can't, he wants to rob you of your position in heaven. If he can't keep you from entering into heaven, which he can't, he wants to keep you from enjoying heaven to the fullest. Now, we have to be careful here. If somebody said to overdo the sorrow aspect of the judgment seat of Christ is to turn heaven into hell. But to underdo the sorrow aspect that some will experience makes obedience to God inconsequential. The fact is, there is going to be regret among some Christians in heaven as they see what could have been theirs had they only been more obedient to Christ in this life. But here's the good news. If you're sitting here today, if you're listening to this message, you don't have to enter heaven with any regrets at all. Because there's time right now to make a change in your life. There's time right now to say, God, I want to start obeying you. I want to put on that breastplate of righteousness. I want to start doing what I know I should do so I have no regrets when I meet you one day. 
Obedience to God prevents the loss of future rewards. Number four, how does obedience protect us from Satan? Obedience protects us from Satan's further entrance into our lives. Whenever I'm counseling with a Christian who's battling some strong addiction that has a stranglehold onto his life, or a Christian who's involved in an immoral relationship that he or she can't break free of, or talking to a Christian whose life is so filled with doubts about God and the Bible, it doesn't seem that he will ever come back, I'm always reminded of C.S. Lewis's words. Lewis said, the road to hell is a gradual one. Without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. When Satan wants to get entrance into your life, he doesn't wage a full-scale assault and come into your mind and heart and claim victory immediately. He's too clever for that. Instead, what Satan does is he looks for an entry, an opening into your life, a place where he can get a toehold, remember, that becomes a foothold and eventually a stronghold in your life. And that opening in your life that he's looking for is a compromise, a rationalization of sin. Because Satan knows if he can get you to compromise the first time, it makes it much easier to compromise the second time, the third time, and the fourth time. Samuel Johnson said, the chains of habit are too small to be felt until they're too strong to be broken. Proverbs 5.22 says, He will be held by the cords of his own sin. Let me illustrate that for you. Remember the illustration of the string. If I take this string and wrap it once or even twice around my fingers, I can get free very easily from it. It has no hold on me. But when I take this string and continue to wrap it around my hand, it begins to control my hand. You know... uh, That first inappropriate conversation with somebody else's mate makes that second conversation that much easier. That first five minutes spent on an inappropriate internet site makes spending the next five minutes that much easier. Taking that first item from my business uh, uh, makes taking that second item that's not mine that much easier. Forfeiting that first time alone with God in order to watch TV or do something else makes that second compromise that much easier. And pretty soon, I am so bound with sin that I cannot break free. He will be held by the cords of his own iniquity. How do I keep sin from having a stranglehold on my life? It's by saying no the first time. That's what it means to put on the breastplate of righteousness, to stop the barbarian Satan at the gate before he ever gains entrance and control over your life. Saying no is the first step to keeping sin from having a stranglehold on our lives. And next time, we'll look at some positive habits we can employ to help us resist Satan's attacks as well. Now, earlier in today's program, I mentioned my full-length book, The Divine Defense. In addition to teaching you how to deal with Satan, my book answers some of your tough questions about the prince of darkness, demons, heaven and hell, and includes thought-provoking, discussion-oriented questions as well. Many of our listeners have chosen this book to guide their small group Bible study or their Sunday school class. 
My book, The Divine Defense, comes with my thanks when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. I'm happy to announce that we have our Bible Prophecy Tour to Israel scheduled and ready for you. It's next April 25th through May 5th. We invite you to join us as we look at some key sites related to Bible prophecy, including the Plain of Megiddo, where the Battle of Armageddon will be fought. We'll also stand on the top of the Mount of Olives, where Christ is going to return one day. And then we'll have a communion service in front of the empty tomb, where Jesus conquered death once and for all. Now, there's an early bird discount for those of you who register before September 30th. To review the itinerary and to reserve your spot, go to ptv.org. Let me thank you in advance for your financial support of Pathway to Victory. Although it's my voice you hear on the program each day, it's supportive friends like you who deliver this message to every part of this world. Even during this season when our country is deeply divided, God is using your generous gifts to bring light in the darkness. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. When you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, we'll say thanks by sending you Dr. Jeffress's best-selling book, The Divine Defense. It also comes with a copy of the Equipped for Battle Quick Reference Guide. And if you'd like to request your copy, call 866-999-2965 or go online to ptv.org. And when you invest in this ministry with a gift of $75 or more, you'll also receive the Divine Defense Teaching Series on CD and DVD. You can listen to the original full-length messages during your commute, or here's an idea, watch the DVDs with your small group Bible study. To make your request, call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. If you'd like to write to us, here's the address, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. To some degree or another, all of us are creatures of habit. That's the truth. But the question is whether those habits are good for us or detrimental. Discover the power of a habit. That's Thursday on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.